signing day is behind us, but we're still here. Uh, welcome into the Commitment Issues podcast, as we do every week. I'm Rob Casdy. I'm joined by Woody Womack, uh, my co-host, as he is every week. And we've got a special guest this week, Woody, right? This is uh, the first guest in the history of this illustrious podcast. Yeah, how about that? We, uh, I, I was out make, making the banquet tour after uh, a successful signing day. You know, we, we, we had so much success <laughs> that uh, you know, I was even invited to speak at a, a, an event here in Atlanta, and wouldn't you know it, Butch Jones had to follow me on stage. So uh, before we went on uh, and, and gave our speeches and everything like that, I had a chance to sit down with Butch, and we kind of talked about a few things. I only made one error during the interview, which you will hear. Is, uh, I talked about Sherry on Jones, the quarterback from California. Actually, he transferred, and now he's transferred back. I didn't realize he had transferred back, so I, I sort of flubbed up on that one, but... Uh, other than that, here it goes, me and Butch Jones talking about the Vols signing day and uh, recruiting strategies for 2017. All right, we're joined now by the head coach of Tennessee, Butch Jones, the first ever guest uh, on our podcast, actually, so congratulations on that honor. Well, I'm excited about it. Thank you, and it's something that I'll remember forever and uh, looking forward to the podcast. The Tennessee fans, I'm sure, have highly anticipated our conversation since uh they think that uh, you have an adversarial relationship with the recruiting media, but we all know that we work together all the time, right? Well, that's exactly right. It's all about the student-athlete and just concluding uh, signing day, and it was a great day for us. Now, we're actually here at uh, the I Dare You event in Atlanta. Uh, it's, a, it's a big training group. A lot of top-notch players come through here. I don't think none, none that you signed this year, though, right? No uh, Tennessee signs. No, here. but we're in the process of building the relationships. When you look at this organization and what it does for you know these young men in uh, going away to college, and this is what it's all about: is the development, you know, of young adults. And so, anytime you can come here and be around all these people and all these successful individuals and all these kids, it makes for a great evening. Now, you guys had another great uh, recruiting class, especially that, that final weekend, the final push was big. I think the one guy that, that kind of looked like he was going to catch the attention of the country was Jonathan Kongbo. People were wondering what he was doing. Did you guys know you had that letter coming in? Were you sweating it all on signing day? What was that like? Well, I think you always sweat it out. <laughs> when you get up in the morning of signing day, you think you know that you have a pretty good idea of the way the day is going to go, but you never know for sure. And uh, you never feel good until the facts comes in. But uh, it was a great, great day for us. Obviously, Jonathan Combo at the end, uh, Tyler Bird at the end. You know, there were some some individuals that really, really, uh, I thought, really elevated our recruiting class. And, and we're excited about all of our signees. But anytime you can add individuals of, of that uh, stature, you're excited about that. And Tyler was kind of a, a guy from, you know, the old state of Miami, we used to call it, down in Naples. Not a lot of guys get out of that area. I mean, you know, even Edger and James is from down there in Immokalee and stuff like that. Uh, how, how did that process go, and, you know, how important was Larry to kind of to pulling him out of there? Larry Scott was a big part of it, along with Robert Gillespie, and then Carlin uh, Felisa, me as well, too. Uh, did a great job with it. But it's all about relationships. And, you know, Tyler was an individual that uh, – you know that we built a relationship for a long period of time, but I think when we had the you know the ability to hire Larry Scott and and bring him on board as as a great great member of our staff, I think that really helped because as you know, recruiting is nothing but a relationship business. Right, exactly. And uh, a lot of coaches took this weekend off. We know D- Demetrius Robertson, who's a five star, who's still out and about. Uh, he he didn't take any visits this weekend because a lot of staffs were out. 
you're you're not on vacation. You're here, uh, working, like you said, shaking hands, kissing babies. Does it does it ever stop for you? Do you get a break after this is over? I'll get a break uh, on Sunday for the Super Bowl, and uh, that's about it. And then we're on to the next phase of the development of our football team and our football program. Of you know, the, this is the time of year that I like. Obviously, we love recruiting. Um, in really working towards the future of Tennessee football, but now it's on to really getting around our current team. And this is the time of year that I love because you get to be around them now every day. You get to grow and develop them, and then you know you get to do football as well, and we'll quality control every aspect of our football program. We'll go on visits with other staffs and bring other coaching staffs in as well, and then we'll get ready for spring football. Uh, you, guys, you guys had some early enrollees too get in. How, how have they been doing so far on campus since they've been there? They've done a great job. The last previous two years, we've led the country in early enrollees, and this year we've had four. Uh, they've done a great job and really, really proud of our current players. They've done a great job of really embracing them into our football family and really teaching them uh, the standards and expectations that are existing in our football program. Uh, since you since you came to Tennessee, you guys have been recruiting a little more nationally. I mean, we've seen you dip out. You got a quarterback out of California. He's not there anymore, but still, that was a guy. I mean, now you mentioned Florida, the, the state of Tennessee in 2017. I know you can't talk about specific players, but do you think it's a, a above average year for talent? What have you seen so far from from the film it's, you've been able to watch? It's going to be a very good year in the state of Tennessee, and. You know, we take care of home first. That's first and foremost. We have to take care of the state of Tennessee and then venture into our other areas. And this was a year where we were able to maintain our roots in Tennessee, but venture off. And Georgia's always a big part of our recruiting efforts. It's kind of a home state for us, so to speak. We were able to sign five players from Georgia and then get into Florida and sign five players as well. So you had mentioned Naples, getting into Naples and signing two players out of there. So again, we're excited because we made some inroads in some other areas that are going to be critical for us, but it all starts with home and that's the state of Tennessee. Um, do you think overall, uh, you recruited that state when you were at Cincinnati. Do you think the talent level has risen, and do you think maybe is that tied to population? What, do you, what, do you, what would you attribute that to? Absolutely. We have great talent within our state and great football coaches as well. And, uh, you know, if you look at the last couple years, the state of Tennessee has been critical in the evolution of our football program, really elevating our football program. When you look at Jalen Hurd and Derek Barnett, Jay Sean Robertson, Rashawn Golden, uh, we can, Josh Malone, we can go on and on. And, you know, all these players are from the state of Tennessee. And as you know, Tennessee is a very proud football program. When we stay at home and represent the University of Tennessee, ball for life means everything. All right, well, that wraps it up for us, Butch. we got to get out there and speak. So uh, thanks, you, thanks once again for joining us on the Commitment Issues podcast. Well, thank you, and thank you for all that you do for college football as well. All right, appreciate it. And that was, as you heard, that was Butch Jones, uh, the first interview in the history of the Commitment Issues podcast. My favorite part of that interview was at the beginning when he told you he'll remember this moment forever, <laughs> which is just like the most dry sarcasm. It's right in the Rob Cassidy wheelhouse, you know? Well, you know, what stinks is Butch said, you know, we, we thought we only had five minutes and the event ended up running long. And then he uh, then he went ahead. We went ahead and sat there and talked about recruiting for like an additional 10 minutes when it wasn't recording. So uh, there were some a few nuggets uh, left off the radar there. <laughs> Nugget nuggets. <laughs> so Christ. if anybody has any questions, uh, for, for those of you, hopefully there's a lot of new listeners here. Uh, we want to remind you to. Uh, listen to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, just search for Commitment Issues. Go ahead and subscribe there. And every week, 
we will be uh, beamed directly into your cell phone. You won't have to search us out on uh, SoundCloud or other uh, recording devices. So do that. Uh. And hopefully next week we'll have another SEC coach. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here before we have it lined up, but hopefully next week we'll uh, we'll follow this up with another SEC coach on the podcast, which can try to have more guests, right, in the off season. I mean, since it's a little bit of a slower time in recruiting, uh, it's going to be nice to chat with some guests. Yeah, I think because we don't have as many pressing issues that, and then coaches are more available, we'll try to get get some coaches on a lot of player interviews. Uh, we got another one coming up later in the show, but kind of let's let's talk about Butch. Uh, you know, him and I talked about the 2017 class in the state of Tennessee. Uh, interesting comments from him. It seems like they you know they only they only signed a few in-state guys this year. It seemed like he he was kind of uh, suggesting that they're going to go harder this year in the state. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's something that, you know, every coach says. Uh, they want to take care of the backyard first. I forgot exactly how he worded it. Uh, we want to take care of home first or whatever. Uh, every coach is going to say that. Uh, but I think, you know, with a state like Tennessee, it's becoming more and more important, as you and I have noted on this podcast in the past. That seems to be one of those states a little bit like Alabama in which the talent level seems to be increasing. Yeah, and we have, uh, you know, Texas A&M went in and signed a couple guys this year. Ole Miss is always recruiting out of there, so... You know, Notre Dame even uh, signed a guy, signed you know, one, only one player, and then Michigan uh, signed a guy. So we're seeing all, a lot of schools reaching into Tennessee, and, of course, the Vols want to want to lock that down. The, the, the guys I'm watching, and it may be as soon as this weekend, uh, T. Higgins, top 100 wide receiver, and uh, Mari Rogers, a top 250 wide receiver, both of them from the Knoxville area right in the backyard of Tennessee. It looks like Rodgers is heading to Clemson. He's expected to commit on Saturday. The question is, does Higgins follow? We know Clemson absolutely loves T. Higgins. He was committed to the Vols forever, and now all of a sudden he reopens his commitment after visiting Tennessee. The writing's on the wall there. How, how big of a loss do you think that would be to, 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 to miss out on both of those guys? You know, it's really hard to view those kind of things in a vacuum. You know how I kind of am. I like the big picture. I don't think it is if you can replace them and supplement them with somebody else. Um, you know, you won't really know how big of a loss it is until everything's said and done. Um, you know, for right now, it looks like it's pretty bad, but but you never really know in those situations. Yeah, I think I think they're going to be. Of course, you know, we've as we're talking about each player has already decommitted once. Rogers was committed to USC, where his dad T. Martin is the offensive coordinator, and then uh, Higgins decommitted from Tennessee. So uh, if they go in February, that doesn't mean Tennessee's going to stop recruiting them. But uh, I think it would be a big blow to kind of lose both of them. So uh, back, back to our favorite topic, uh, Jonathan Kongbo, all of a sudden uh, there's some drama. I don't know if you have you have you been paying attention to any of that? A Rob? little bit. But my question is, in the interview we just heard, if there's no letter of intent, what's exactly going on here? <laughs> Well, they're they're allowed to talk about him if he he signed the the financial. He's got the grant the grant name, right? Okay. So they're allowed to talk about him. So we're free there. Uh, we we had we had Georgia worried about secondary violations with the Jaden Hunter video. We don't need Tennessee getting on our case too. Um, I, boy, I tell this you, this guy's what. the best, isn't he? I mean, he's just like every day that something else is like surrounding this guy. You know, I think I like him so much because he is such an enigma. <laughs> First of all, you know, he committed to like five schools, which just makes me, you know, I love that kind of move. And now that there's a missing letter of intent, uh, even now, uh, it makes me, you know, it adds some more intrigue. I'm really hoping maybe he just ends up at somebody completely off the radar. Like he accidentally faxed his letter to Western Michigan or something. Well, what's interesting is he tweeted today. I mean, we're recording this on Monday. He tweeted today that it's all good. Every, you know, every Tennessee, I'm coming. 
But, uh, you know, I saw some guys on the Tennessee board laying like, well, then just sign the letter. It takes 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Vol fans. Screwed up. Misdid a number in the area code. I'm actually going to go play for Albany next year. Just, you know, wrong. (laughs) Because I got the wrong number. Well, you know, the players don't need to sign a letter of intent, so he doesn't have to. He might just... He might just not do it, and that's okay. That's within his right. I, I don't expect him to end up anywhere else in Tennessee. I don't no, understand. I don't well, either. My my one confusion, the one confusing part is what is it? Why do his parents have to sign the letter of intent? How old is he? He's got to be twenty, twenty one, maybe even right. I yeah, mean, if he's a junior college, unless he's like a Doogie Hauser type. Right. So my guess would be I, I don't understand that being the hold up with the parents needing to sign. I mean, you know. My mom wouldn't even sign my FAFSA when I was trying to apply for financial aid, and I just forged her signature and put it on there. So come on, Kongbo, get with the program. (laughs) Get with the program, man. So listen, uh, worth noting, the last thing I want to touch on Tennessee-wise before we move on, Jonathan Kongbo's Twitter handle and Instagram handle are both at King underscore, underscore Kongbo. So... I think uh, he does not want to be called King Kong. He wants to be called King Kongbo, right? It would make sense. And, you know, we've talked about this topic a little bit more than probably necessary, but it, it just seems like the more obvious nickname, right? I mean, King Kong's too generic. Can you call anybody King Kong? Uh, yeah. If your last name's Kongbo, you're kind of inviting him. All right. So yesterday uh, – oh, wait. Today's Tuesday. I think I said today was Monday. That shows you where my mind is at right now. Yesterday being Monday – I drove down to Savannah, Georgia, and back, which is a short four-hour jaunt uh, for me. And I went down and talked to Demetrius Robertson, the last player, the last man standing uh, from the Rivals 250 to sign a letter of intent or a uh, grant and aid letter. And uh, him and I kind of talked. We went for 15 minutes talking about everything uh, regarding his recruitment. So we'll kind of roll into that now and see uh, what Demetrius has to say. Of course, we were in a busy area, a lot of noise in the background, so... uh, Please pardon our dust uh, when it comes to that situation. But without further ado, Nick's favorite catchphrase, here is uh, Demetrius Robertson. All right, we're joined now by Demetrius Robertson, five-star, the last man standing, unsigned. What's it been like for you uh, in the week now since signing day ended? Um, It's been pretty hectic um, while the coach is signing. I'm calling my phone, asking when the visit is going to happen, stuff like that. Um, Just trying to really get me on campus. You seem like you've been kind of... Just being chill. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, like, a lot of people have been blowing up my phone and stuff like that, so I'm trying to lay back a little bit. Who's calling you? Mm, Georgia, Notre Dame, Stafford, um, Cal, Georgia Tech still. No new schools, though, called since since signing day passed, maybe hoping they could get in the mix? Um, I mean, I told her, like, Ohio State and Bama. Well, Bama still, yeah. No, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um... How much did those schools push for you to sign on Wednesday? Was there like a push for me to sign? Yeah. Um, only probably Notre Dame. Notre Dame probably was the only one who pushed me to sign on signing day. Um, what were they saying? No, it was like um, if you feel like signing on signing day, I mean, it's going to do it, you know, things like that. And I was like, um, I don't know, I'm probably waited out. <laughs> <laughs> but they wanted that letter, huh? They wanted uh-huh. it in hand. Um, so, so when was the point where you kind of knew, like, when did it hit you uh, in January that you knew you were going to kind of have to wait past signing day? Mm, probably the week after the um, Army. 
Oh, really? So yeah. you were looking at your schedule and just yeah. kind of figuring it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. What was what what was it that made you realize that? Um, just because they they really wanted me to get my scores up and and see what where I can go from there. Because the missing process for Stanford is like pretty hard to get in. So and they want me to take my time and you know and try to try my best to get into school. So. They, you did it that way. Well, you took all AP classes in the fall, right? How did, mm-hmm. that, how did that work out? It worked out pretty well. I mean, I maintained um, high on the road. So. Um, I know you said it was hard at first. Well, talk about that adjustment to... Oh, it was pretty hard. Because um, last year I didn't take any AP classes. It's just a lot of more workload. Um, just a lot of more homework, a lot of more papers. Um, you can't really like, hang out with your friends a lot. You just got to do a lot of work and stuff like that. So now, you got cut back. You have the score now to get into every other school that mm-hmm. you've applied for. Okay, so you're good at Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm good with everybody else. Good with Cal. Yeah. Um, when will you know, I guess, in a few, in a few days, right? 11. Only February 11. That's when I should know. Do you feel like you did better? Or? I feel like I improved <laughs> on it. I didn't know, like, boost myself up. Like, no, I, I did I did this. But I did feel I did better on it, so. Uh, what did Stanford tell you you needed to get to get in? Um, I had to have 1,500. Um, have A's and B's on my. I can't make any C's, and I have a my admission process got to be really well. I got to write my essays really well. So, so you haven't applied yet, then, right? Because I'm starting to apply. I'm starting to write my essays right now. Oh, okay. Just in case. What are the? Well, t- I haven't like I brainstorm on it. I haven't like really, you know, you know what I'm saying. Did they give you topics yet? Mm-hmm. What, what are the topics? Um, one of them was like. Why would you consider um, Stanford? Um, another one was like, they gave me like five things to talk about, like race, um, color, religious beliefs, and sex, and like one more. And we got like, you got to choose like out of the two and write like two like essays about those. Then like three more things you got to write about, something like that. Okay, so mm-hmm. it sounds like a long process. <laughs> yeah. you, so if you get that score, mm-hmm. On the 11th, I guess I guess we're recording this on the 8th. So in three days, if you get that score, then that's when you start the rest of the admission process? Yeah. If I get that score, then we'll start the admission process, take the visit out there, see how it is. So when you scheduled that, you scheduled that test date, it ended up conflicting with the first Alabama trip. Did you know yeah. that at the time? I did not know. My, my brother, because we scheduled it really late. The, um, we kind of like fell back on the time because the Army Bowl and stuff like that, and we didn't really realize the date and stuff like that. So we had to do that, go ahead and get it in. Now, someone had told me that you, that you called Alabama on signing day. Was that true? No, no, no. Oh, it was, it was way before signing day. <laughs> no, no, but, but that that when the way things signing day was breaking down, that mm-hmm. you reached out to them or you had talked to the coaches there. I talked to them before that. We talked like that. When was Sunday? That Wednesday. Yeah, we told like that Saturday, like my Georgia Tech visit. Right, you were supposed to go out. You were. Yeah, I was supposed to go there. Yeah, we talked. <laughs> we talked that Saturday. It's like it's all good. Um, cause they knew I was on Sunday after, so we can come another time. So they used saying all good. You know, spot is still here for you. So, so. Which coaches are you talking to over there? Mm, Coach Napier, um, Coach Pruitt, and Coach um, Saban. Okay, and Napier's kind of been the guy involved with you the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, and Coach um, Kevin, too. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. So they're all, they're all working on you now? Yeah. Uh, have you have you talked to him since signing day? I have. 
Are you calling them or are they calling you? <laughs> calling me. They're calling. Yeah. <laughs> You're kind of just fielding calls at this point. Right? <laughs> um, Notre Dame, who's your primary uh, point of contact there? Coach Booker. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And he's been on you too? Yeah. Coach Booker, Coach Denson, the running back coach, um, Coach um, Denbrock, offensive coordinator, Coach um, Stanford, Stanford, the um, quarterback coach. All of them just hit me up. Now, they really wanted, like you said, they really wanted you to get it done mm-hmm. on, on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, do you know, can anyone come back and visit? Can, can they visit again or no? They can't. That's what they said. They said they can't, can't visit me anymore. But I just got to, like, well, like, I haven't. I got two two more visits to go, so I can visit people, like, official. Right, but, not, that, but not Notre Dame again. Mm-hmm. You had talked about the 13th to 17th, where your brother mm-hmm. maybe had told me. That was the time frame to decide. Is that still it? Yeah, this is this this what our um, thing is based off right now. And what, uh, what where'd you get that date? Where'd you get those dates from? I mean, how did you come up with that time frame? because um, I know if we make the scores, we're probably gonna take Georgia's this weekend. Then probably if we make if we make the scores, probably go back. But if we if we don't make the scores, they're probably be um, sometime probably that week after or the week after that because I had to take the Georgia and Bama, Bama um, is official there, is there if a, I don't get in Stanford. Is there a priority list then if, if you don't get in, if, if you do get into Stanford or between Alabama and Georgia, who are you going to have to choose between? Mm-hmm. I haven't even decided that yet. You haven't <laughs> made a decision yet. Mm-hmm. So you guys are you're in basketball season. You mm-hmm. guys are the number one seed headed into the playoffs. You play on Thursday, right? Yeah, Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Now, if you win Wednesday, when do you play again? Friday. Okay, so assume, so you, that could affect your ability to take a visit this weekend then, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. If we, I, I, mean, I don't think that really matters because I have a um, – because they let me come up um, that night. It's a Friday night because oh, I did okay. the same thing Georgia said. Right, mm-hmm. oh, after a basketball mm-hmm. game. Um, but you, you haven't – have you made plans with Georgia for this weekend yet? I have. Oh, you have. So you mm-hmm. are going to be there. Because mm-hmm. I saw some people saying you were going last weekend. Yeah, I posted what Coach Smart told me not to because um, on vacation. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, I was on vacation. So I would come next week. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when will you know 100% that that's going to happen? Um, probably after Wednesday. Okay. Um we hear a lot of talk about your mom and stuff like that. We know she lives in LaGrange, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So how far is that from here? Four hours away? Yeah, that's four, four and a half. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a long drive. Uh, did she come to a Georgia Tech with you? Um, she came up there for a little while. Then she came back. Um, I know that came down. The coaches went down there to see her for my visit. Like, I was on my visit. Then they just went down there to see her and came back up. Because oh, okay. it's only, like, 45 minutes. Yeah, 45 Atlanta. minutes or an hour yeah. from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's her thoughts on what everything that's going on? Um, well, she she don't really care about the football thing. She more like academic, and I mean she loves Georgia Tech, and she loves um she, she don't like she likes Stanford because it's academic, but she says it's too far. She don't because it's too far and stuff like that. Yeah, she doesn't yeah. want you go that far from home. <laughs> yeah. Um, how often you guys see each other usually during? Mm. I mean, with her being far away as it is. Um, probably. Once a month, two, twice a month. No, really. Mm-hmm. And you live. Both your brothers live down here, right? Yeah. Uh, how old are your brother Carlos? He's your guardian, right? Yeah. How old he's is he? He's thirty-two. Mike is thirty-four. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have a good support system yeah. down here with them. Um, 
And then your sister, she lives with your, or she did live with your mom. Mm -hmm. Is she at school now? Oh, she's not. When is she going? To, when is she going to school? Probably this spring. Okay, mm -hmm. and she's still going to Alabama A and M. Well, it's either them, because she, she told me I was talking to her. She told me Alabama A and M or Alabama because she said Alabama offered her uh, a scholarship to come on the team. Oh, really? Yeah. So when did that happen? Recently? Like after um Saturday? Not after Saturday, but um. After Army? Army, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there was some confusion. Mm -hmm. I saw some people. Because you told me. I yeah, she told me. She told me. I, I'm going after off of her. And then I, she said, said. <laughs> I said Alabama, and then everybody jumped on my case. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> they, were, they were firing shots at me on Twitter and stuff. What are they saying? Uh, you know. People love to, unfortunately, I run my mouth so much. <laughs> people, uh, people love to come back at me, which I enjoy. Yeah, it makes yeah. it fun, right? Mm -hmm. Um all right, so so time's kind of. Do you feel? Are you feeling like I have a strict deadline of the seventeenth, or are you cool with it going even longer? Um, I'm cool with it going even longer, but I mean, if it's seventeen, then if my brother decided for me to do it on seventeen, then I go on seventeen. But but I can go even longer, but like probably another week longer. You if you saying? if you had to do it today, would you? Do you have a decision in your mind? Mm, no. No, so you're still completely undecided. Mm -hmm. um, have you paid attention to any of the the talk about people, you know, saying, you know, this is our attention or anything like that? Oh, I I didn't know that. But, no, it's not really for attention. It's just I'm trying to get into Stanford because, I mean, I've been working towards it, and I've been, um, like, putting them as my number one because I'm trying to get over there to see the school because I know it's a high, like, prestigious school for academics, and they got a good football team too. So, I mean, I just want to see – What's out there? So if Stanford weren't in the mix, like if you already knew, hey, mm -hmm. I don't have the score, I can't get in, you probably would have announced yeah. on signing day? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, but if, mm -hmm. so that's, they're the holdup, huh? It's all mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what does it mean, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure. I was talking to one of your teammates, Zach, and he said people are on you in the hallways. And yeah. people are, like you said, coaches are calling you all day. How are you kind of, how are you handling that? How are you tuning out uh, um, all that stuff? Well, just really, um, just taking it all in. I mean, like, I don't think the students really influenced me on my decision. Really, just a family-based decision. Like, me and my brother sit down and talk about it, what's best for me, where I feel like, you know, where I fit in and where I feel like home. Mm -hmm. Has it been stressful? Mm, kind of, a little bit. But, I mean, it's, <laughs> like, because, like, this has been blowing me up. Like, the, in the beginning it was, but now, now it's, like, cool. Because I'm used to it now. Right. Yeah. Uh, you didn't have your phone for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I have it. Yeah. So now that you have it, it's like not, it's nonstop. <laughs> okay. Uh, when you do announce, how are you gonna do it? You gonna you gonna have us out here? Or you gonna just? Um, it's either here or up there with my mom. At, oh, really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Think about doing it at her house. Yeah. Are you going to sign a letter of intent? Do you know? Are you gonna? I mean, because last year we had Roquan Smith. Mm -hmm. He never ended. He never signed this letter. I think he signed like a grant and aid agreement. Yeah. Do you know the difference between those two? Or yeah, me and my brother were talking about it. So. Uh, our plan is we're probably going to sign either. I don't know. I think it's financial. I think we want to do that one. Okay, so, so you have some flexibility mm -hmm. if, if somebody leaves. What, yeah. what would your concern be? What would make you change your mind? Um, probably just a coaching stuff. Oh, if they leave. If a coach changes mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, the local pressure of Georgia. Oh, I mean, yeah. we see 
your coach out on the basketball court wearing Georgia gear. We know people love Georgia here mm-hmm. in Savannah. Uh, do you feel that influence at all? People, people yeah. asking you. I about feel it. a lot of influence from Savannah. That's all they talk about. <laughs> all my school talk about Georgia, 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 Georgia. Well, I mean, it's a great influence. I mean, just have like a, it's sort of like a networking alumni base as itself for like kids and stuff like that. Because I mean, they love Georgia. And, I mean, if you come from Georgia and trying to get a job. I mean, you got, like, people wrong, you know, set you up. So. Mm-hmm. Right, and we know that's something you're considering. What's up? We, we should ask about the other schools you visited. Cal, you're wearing. Mm-hmm. People can't see right now, but you're wearing head-to-toe Cal gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on with them? Are they still are they still hitting you up? I know yeah, 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 they still hit me up. I mean, I ain't no down Cal. I mean, I, I think when I went out there, it was a great visit. Um, I know it's, probably, it's, like, too far from my mom, but, I mean, I really like it out there, but I'm going to sit down and talk to her about it. You know, um, you know. I don't think they're out. Of, I don't think Cal out of it, out of it either. You know what I'm saying? And then Georgia Tech, you said that's mom's favorite, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You went up there. It seems like you had a good time. Yeah, I had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you What you think of it? I mean, what would you think of spending time in the city? Kind of, it's, yeah. di- it's a different vibe, right? Yeah, it was, it was way different. Um, just because usually when you go to like Alabama, it's really like really no city like Atlanta, a big city around, but. I mean, Atlanta is like downtown, right there. Everything is like near you. You like college is right there too. So, um, and how how much is mom kind of pushing that agenda of? Mm-hmm. A lot, cause she, I mean, she's right there. She's like forty five minutes away, and it's a good education. <laughs> how far is she from? How far is she from Tuscaloosa? Tuscaloosa, two and a half. Oh, three. Was, like from Atlanta, I think. Right? Yeah, if she's in. Yeah, if she's in Lagrange. It's farther down. It's yeah. on the way, isn't it? I can't mm-hmm. really remember. Yeah. It's on, Lagrange is on the way south to Columbus. Yeah, for those people who don't know, people listening from to this podcast from all over the country. Oh, really? They will when we play it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Thanks a lot for coming. Do you know, be done. Boy, what a conversation, Rob. Uh, you, you had a chance to listen to it earlier today. Uh, what did you think of everything? Seems like a crazy situation with uh, our boy D. Rob. Look, man, that conversation is all the proof that I need to dispel any notion that fans have out there that he's doing this to build drama. If he's doing this strictly to build drama, then he deserves an Oscar because that's some of the best acting to be a clueless (laughs) person that I've ever heard in my life. I mean, I think he's confused. I don't think he knows where he's going to sign, even now. Uh, Maybe he has an idea. It's obviously, you know, hinges on Stanford. But, I mean, that would have been one heck of an acting job, wouldn't it? I mean, he's going in every different direction. He's talking about getting it done within the week. But at the same time, he's talking about trying to gain admission to Stanford, which doesn't happen overnight. And he's talking about visits. I mean, it just nothing seems to be – he doesn't really know where his sister's going to school despite where she's enrolled. It it seems all very convoluted to me, uh, which tells me that he is – everything's still up in the air with him at least a little bit. Some semblance of, of mystery left, right? Yeah, I mean, of course, there's a big difference between, you know, his sister running track at Alabama A&M and running track at Alabama, as as we talked about on the, the show. Uh, and uh, it's crazy. I think the whole situation is this is all done for Stanford's benefit. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's clear that I, I think had he not had Stanford as an option, he would have signed with Notre Dame on signing day. But now because he's waiting on Stanford, that actually has opened the door for Georgia and Alabama. Now, he did say he is going to visit Georgia this weekend uh, during one of those sound clips. So at least for now, that's what I expect to happen. But then, of course, he kind of couched it later uh, when he talked about if I get into Stanford, that may change. 
We're going to find out on the 11th, uh, which is in, in two days. Today, today we're recording this on the 9th. So, boy, I mean, this is a wild one. This is a, but here's this is the a really... thing, man. Are we going to find out on the 11th? Like, he's going to find out maybe the test score on the 11th, but the Stanford admissions, even when they get prodded by football to hurry up, that doesn't happen overnight, does it? No, I think I was told today uh, three to four weeks. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, what, is he just going to take a gamble here and be like, all right, uh, I'm going to Stanford, and then what if they tell him, no, you're not going to Stanford? Then what? I mean, it's, I mean I'm mean, i sure he'll be able to find a place to land. He's talented as any player there is, but I, this isn't going to drag on for three weeks. Right, well, I, I think uh, I think if you're a fan of Notre Dame or Alabama or Georgia – you're hoping he doesn't get the score uh, because then if he doesn't get the score, he's going to focus on making that decision. He talked about the 17th. He actually said they're planning on coming up here to Atlanta to announce at the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, so, you know, they do a lot. <laughs> I, hold on. I just want to go back to that sentence of if you're a fan of Alabama or Georgia, you're really hoping this kid screws that test up. I mean, that's exactly what you said. <laughs> Well, that, that's true, isn't it? I mean, if if he gets the test, he's I mean, probably not sticking around. I guess if you're a militant fan of one of those schools, you are. But I, I'd like to think that there are people out there that, even no matter what their fandom is, isn't rooting against the kid's test score. <laughs> is that where we are? Well, that's I, yeah. That, I, I think that is where we are based on. You know, so, I mean, unfortunately, I see a lot of people at, at all three schools or whoever that's that that uh, Demetrius is still considering kind of calling him a prima donna, a diva. But like you said, as you hear it from his words there, he's just confused. Doesn't seem like he knows where he wants to go or what he wants to do. I mean, no, it's like I said, simple. it's a great acting job if he's really building drama because that that interview is, I mean, he is all over the place. So here, here were my biggest takeaways. I think uh, if you're a Notre Dame fan, the longer this goes, the, you know, the kind of the worse it is for you. I, I, you heard him say that the coaches really pushed him to sign on signing day. He didn't do it. So I think that was a sticky situation. If you're a Georgia fan, you want him on campus this weekend. You need him to make that visit uh, because then you, you really have the edge because you got the last visit. Um, if you're Alabama, the same thing. You're kind of hoping that you get him on campus uh, before he announces that decision because if not, I just don't think it's going to happen. Personally, I think – you know, despite Alabama wanting to get back in the mix, I just don't know how much of a priority they are. And uh, and, and personally, I think this is a decision that he's going to make with his brother. I know he mentioned his mom. I just don't get the sense that uh, that she's going to be super involved in the decision-making just because, you know, she lives quite a ways away, as we talked about. I still think that when the chips fall, and, you know, this could change because, like I said, I don't think he knows where he's going. I still, if I was handicapping it, I still think he's going to land at Notre Dame. All right, so you know, the Notre Dame fans, don't yell at Andrew Ivins as much. Uh, you know, he grinded. Actually, because I was driving so much yesterday, I drove, sent him the audio. I drove down there, did the interview, sent him the audio, and then drove back, and he actually wrote up uh, a recruiting-centric part of this interview. So, I mean, uh, we're doing the best we can. I think, uh, you know, as we said, we're, we're one of the few places to talk to him and his brother on a regular basis. So that's the latest info you have. Uh, take it. Take it uh, however you want to take it, but we'll continue to cover this, or at least uh, Andrew will. I think I'm going to be, I'm going to be out of commission for a couple of days, which is why we're recording uh, the way we did this week. So uh, I think we'll still have a couple more episodes where we talk about it, don't you, Rob? <laughs> yeah, you know, like I said, I mean, we're not done with 
with D-Rob by any stretch of the imagination. He's our favorite topic now. Although, our boy Kongbo is really closing in on him, right? Like, as long as this thing goes, yeah. I just like talking. I yeah. might talk about that kid just to talk about him when he's at Tennessee. Kongbo's a lot more fun, actually, just because... Well, his, name's uh, more, his name is more fun to say, for sure. Right, and, he, uh, and we've never actually talked to him. I think you and I both know uh, Demetrius really well. Uh, we see him all the time. Uh, he's, you know, Kongbo is a mystery, and that's, that makes it much more fun. Um, I, I did want to touch on one other thing real fast. This is actually not on the rundown. We talked about Tennessee uh, and uh, the receivers earlier. I personally, right now, I do see uh, Clemson landing Amari Rodgers this weekend on Valentine's Day, and I think, I think uh, T. Higgins isn't far behind. And I've also heard, which is where I wanted to loop you in, uh, from a couple people that uh, it's looking like James Robinson uh, may also join the list around the same time. Uh, do you think Clemson's definitely a school to be for him? Yeah, it has been for a very long time. Clemson, you know, you talk to his coaches and you talk to James himself. Clemson has done such a great job with him. They've prioritized him from the jump. Uh, and like I said, they've been able to sell the success that, you know, Ray Ray McLeod has had and guys from that area that are going to Clemson and really shining, you know. And I think James buys into that. Uh, I think James buys into, obviously, the success on the field. It's not very hard to sell Clemson right now when you're coming off an appearance in the national title game. A lot of stars aligned for them in that area of Florida, and I, I don't think anybody's ever really been close. I think that he will commit to Clemson. What happens from there, I mean, who knows? It's so early, and we've seen. I mean, coming off signing day, you know, how many of these guys that signed with schools were committed elsewhere, and crazy things happen. But I think there will be a James Robinson commitment to Clemson in the future. After that, okay, so- I'm not making any predictions. <laughs> So the, the, if they get that trio of wide receivers, that is, I mean, that is a, that's a huge group, and that fits. I actually did a long feature story back in December about the three types of receivers that they like to have, and uh, those three actually fit perfectly uh, exactly what they're looking for. So uh, Clemson, off 2017, now they've got Hunter Johnson, a five-star quarterback. they got Chase Bryce, a four-star quarterback, who actually won our quarterback challenge. And then they already have uh, have uh, three other commits, so so they're already at six commits. And signing day was just a week ago. It's interesting. Their strategy seems to be build the class early. They've done it the past few years. I think dating back to Deshaun Watson. I think he committed right around signing day. There's a couple other players that I think are going to join that Clemson list soon. Uh, do, do, what do you think about their strategy of trying to load up with these guys? And they, they don't seem to have a lot of decommitments. They load up early and they seem to hold on to them. No, they hang on. Even with the out-of-state guys, uh, TJ Chase is a good example from that. I mean, he committed to Clemson early last year, and they held on. He never even visited anywhere. Um, so, you know, whatever they're doing in Florida anyway or in my region is working very well for them to get early commitments and keep them. I think that they're very high on uh, Trajan Bandy, who is a Columbus kid, a Rivals 250 defensive back. I think that he, they're high on his list. Uh, so there'll be a player for him as well. Yeah, and then we had Lee Anthony Williams and uh, Xavier McKinney who popped in with us. Uh, Xavier committed to Alabama, but he he also visited Clemson recently, and so did Lee Anthony. So uh, I, th- I personally think Clemson is doing exactly what they need to do to keep things rolling, and uh, you know just keep an eye keep an eye on those guys that may not make headlines now, uh, but uh, when when we look back at their class and say, "Geez, they're going to have ten commits by the end of February," that's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's let's move on to uh, rants and recommendations. We got a kind of a we were trying to make it a shorter episode this week. I don't know if we if we uh, succeeded or not. So uh, let's let's roll right in and, and get them done. I think I'll start. Uh, you you like this rant too, though, so you can jump in. Uh, I don't know if you noticed uh, the ESPN has a new ombudsman. Uh, for those who don't know, 
that's basically a guy who works in-house at media outlets and writes about uh, editorial decisions and way things are handled, kind of, you know, they're feel free to be critical of their own organization. He wrote about uh, Grantland.com and a decision by ESPN to shut it down back in October. Uh, and, you know, the article, it was okay. It wasn't anything earth-shattering. But the, the former Grantland employees then take to the take to the airwaves and really, or I guess the Twitter, the Twitterverse, and go on their typical rant uh, <laughs> talking about how special of a place it was. And I think, I think the, uh, the one quote I saw was from Dave Schilling, that one that, that really caught my eye, where he said, the, thing I will, the last thing I'll say about this, if you weren't in that office with us at the end of Grantland, you don't have a clue what happened. <laughs> I'd want to... <clears throat> I want to jump in here. I have some pretty good friends that work there, so I don't want to pile on too hard. Um, there are some people, and not all of them by any stretch. Grantland was great. I, I loved Grantland. Um, they did some really great work there that's not – since it's been gone, that void has not been filled, I don't think. I think there's some really good writing that happened there. But nobody liked Grantland as much as some of the people that worked at Grantland liked Grantland, I think. Um like I said, I, I'm going to tread lightly here because I don't want to lose some friendships. <laughs> but uh, that's that's as far as I'll go. Well, listen, I loved Grantland. I don't. I I think I read it more when it first started, and then I really just listened to the podcast and st- kind of stopped making it to the website after after a while. I don't know why. It wasn't like I thought it sucked. It just kind of fell out of my daily routine. But listen, guys, it was a website. You was a place you worked. It's cool. I mean, I like working at Rivals. You know, we're trying to do some different stuff here. Here's the thing. Here. In defense of Grantland, there are very few places today that will allow writers to write and take time to write. Uh, everything is about, you know, quantity and news aggregation and clicks. Uh, and maybe that's kind of at the expense of actual good reporting and writing. Um, and there are websites that, that do that. I mean, my, you know, and there's some enterprise jobs at newspapers that allow people to do that. But there aren't a lot of places like Grantland that have a stable of writers that are allowed to take time and write those kind of stories. Uh, and so that's why I could see why it's special. Um, you know, I'm sure that, you know, business dictates that maybe that's not what the masses want. But, you know, it was nice to have that website there. Uh, like I said, though, I mean, the people that, that worked at Grantland really did enjoy Grantland. Uh, they like to talk about it. <laughs> well, so listen, we, we love you, Grantland. I still follow Bill Simmons and uh, his his crew over at Channel 33 or, you know, whatever new site they're going to do, I will read it. But, you know, guys, let's not, let's not act like we're curing cancer, okay? You had a website where you wrote about pop culture, you know what I mean? Okay, so simmer, 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 simmer down. Okay, that's all. That's all. My it's a tame rant, but it's like, guys, we get it. You know what I mean? You, you wrote. You're cool. You compared. You know, I, I can't even think of an article. I yeah, can't remember an article. You compared you know NBA I mean? players to Saved by the Bell episodes. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That, I don't know if that actually existed. I'm sure it did. <laughs> Guess what? The big lead did that in like 2004. So it wasn't like you were. But there was also like very well reported like enterprise pieces. I don't want to make it sound like Grantland was you know was a, was that only I sports mean, really, by Brooks. Yeah, we're really boiling it down. <laughs> All right, so what's yours? I know I have a recommendation also. I don't have a rant this week. I've been so busy with signing day. Uh, you know, I will recommend something in your hometown. I had the chance to eat on the way to the airport. I had brunch at a place called the Nook in. I believe Midtown Atlanta, um, and they serve these things, and you know they're not special by any, you know I didn't get them at other places, 
Uh, but they're famous there, and they're called tachos. Have you had these? Uh, no, I haven't. Well, they're famous for this at the Nook. Uh, it's a really cool place. Uh, they're nachos, but instead of chips, they're tater tots. So, like, I mean, it's the most unhealthy thing. I'm sure it was like a $5,000 or 5,000 calorie gut bomb. But, you know, it was it was delicious. Uh, and they have different kinds of tachos at this place where, you know, you can get nacho tachos or fish tachos or whatever kind of tachos are available. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. It was probably the best brunch I've ever had. Yeah, but, boy, there are so many good places to eat in the city of Atlanta. Underrated food city, in my opinion. I mean, I... I uh, try to go someplace new every time I've lived here for a few Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not Miami or New York, but, you know, for a small southern town, landlocked city, it does okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if the food. I don't know if the food's that good in Miami. What food is good in Miami? Everything, like, man. It's you know, like world. Like, it's like world class chefs down here, man. Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, every yeah, like. If you like like Latin American food? I mean, no, no. I mean, no. It's not all that though. There's a lot of good Cuban food, but then I mean, if you get out like towards Brickell and those areas, you know, it's a lot of five star restaurants and five star resorts. Uh, there's a reason that you know Miami is a, a dining and and yeah, a bunch of overpriced. Yeah, a bunch of stuff that's way overpriced. <laughs> Well, of course. I mean, that's, that's that's the game you play when you live in a city with, like, a beach and real, like, things to do and not, like, landlocked with a bad baseball team. And well, nobody and, cares about and, baseball. And, You're and, the only person under 35 who cares about baseball. And, you I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what sums up Atlanta here is the fact that the only rental car they had when I got there for sunny day, the only thing left at budget was a pickup truck. <laughs> I mean, I, I – yeah, <laughs> That's because so many people came into town that uh, that that was all that was left. It's because it's, people, it's a, it's because it's a, people people have to move their wheelbarrows. Yeah, it's a destination. Well, listen, I wish I had a – we ended up using that truck to move some boxes out of my place, so it seemed to be work out pretty well for me. Absolutely. I don't really hate it, man. I just like saying this to get a reaction from Woody. I really did have a great time there, and I've been there many times. It's, it's a nice city. I just I just like to condescend to people. It's sort of what I do. Um, my recommendation real quick is a Twitter account this week. It's called uh, Kicks Deals. The handle is at Kicks Deals, and it's exactly what it is. It's a website that uh, aggregates – that aggregates uh, shoe deals. So if you like sneakers uh, of all types, uh, I've, I've, I've got many deals off there, which uh, you know I get complimented on. Actually, yesterday when I was talking with Demetrius, okay, you uh, slipped that in about, there, which which I get complimented on. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think you like those uh, Gulf of Mexico shoes I sent you. Those uh, no, yeah, those, those are sweet. Bluish, those bluish ones, and like I said, uh, you're getting them all at you know a, a pretty good discount. And uh, like I said, they're, they aggregate them all day. It's an interesting business model. I don't know if the shoe companies pay them or if they're just sitting here refreshing websites to see what's on sale. But, I mean, I bought one pair of shoes from a skate shop in San Diego, and they were like you know 70% off, and they shipped them right here for like $4. So uh, at Kicks Deals, I would highly recommend yeah, before following we, that account. Before we go, I, I just think the people need to know that you, Woody Womack, are – 10 times the bargain shopper of anybody's grandmother. I mean, I've never known somebody as young as you that is so good and dedicated to hunting down deals everywhere. Have you ever paid full price for anything in your life? I don't like to. You know, I mean, you're talking about, you know, when you come from the streets like me, you grow up going to Goodwill and St. of The mean streets of Oregon. Yeah, Cottage Grove, Oregon. Big shout to the St. Vincent de Paul where my Aunt Edith worked. Uh, as a kid, and she used to give us a discount. Get, imagine that—a a discount at the St. Vincent de Paul thrift store. Do you steal Splenda packets not... from restaurants? Uh, well, boy, when, listen. When I, uh, <laughs> the first time I'm—I <laughs> wish I wish Nick was on this recording. Maybe he could record a, a separate bit. But the first time 
uh, Nick ever met me, we were covering an event together. I think it was the state baseball finals down in Florida. And we were at a hotel, and I was just shoving my pockets full of, like, hot cocoa and tea. <laughs> Right, yeah, as soon as Nick cuts this, I want Nick to come on and give us a monologue of this. Hopefully he'll do that. Hopefully he'll come on here after and monologue this story. All right. Well, if, if Nick, if, if you just listen to Nick tell the story about me stealing uh, condiments, then more power to you. And I guess what I'm going to continue to do it, uh, even though I've scaled it back tremendously. Once I get a house, though, uh, Rob knows I'm living in a smaller apartment now. But once I buy that house, best believe there's going to be an entire pantry full of Splenda. Um, so thanks for listening. That wraps it up for us. I guess we ended up going longer than we expected. we got a conference call to hop on right now. But uh, once again, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud. You find us all. Just search for Commitment Issues. Our Twitter is at Rivals Podcast. Please leave us a review on any of those sites we mentioned earlier. And uh, email us, RivalsPodcast at Yahoo.com. And the beat we're, is we're, by our boy. Are the beat is by our boy, M. Deuce. And you're tapping your foot to that right now? Yeah, exactly. We we <laughs> MD continues to kill it, and uh, that's it. We'll be back next week, Bob. <laughs>